We have Wilson Haddow from Juniper here to talk to us about some more pricing issues. Welcome, Wilson. Good morning, Mark. Great to be here. Looking forward to this. So am I. So, so do you have a pricing issue, hopefully? Yes. Uh, my, my issue is related to value-based pricing. And I'm saying my, my issue, this is something I, I really see happening in the market in general. Um, I, I'm, I work in professional services and uh, I see the professional services market changing. And so often, you know, we see customers um, looking not so much at what is the price to pay for something to be done today, uh, and you know, traditionally people have looked at cost-based pricing, but now the more and more people are saying, I'm looking for services that are a outcome-based and associated with outcome-based. I'm looking at pricing that is outcome-based, so pricing that relates to the value that the uh, customer is receiving. And so I'd I'd love to understand your thinking regarding you know the move from cost-based pricing to value-based pricing. I dearly love this issue, Wilson. Thanks for calling and asking this one. So, so first off, let's make sure we're all on the same page. What, what, when we say the words value-based pricing, what I always mean when I say those words is what's my customer willing to pay? And, and so it isn't, uh, and, and willingness to pay has to do with how much value we're delivering to them. Sometimes I hear other definitions of value-based pricing. Um, the problem that professional services companies have all the time is that we, we want to charge by the hour. If I send somebody out there, we're going to charge you for it. And if I don't send somebody out there, we're not going to charge you for it. But here's the problem. That's not what your customers want to buy from you. What your customers actually want to buy is system uptime, system usability. I want to know the thing works. I want to know that it's going to get fixed instantly. They're willing to pay for the result as opposed to the hours. One of my favorite examples of this is I went to buy, uh, I think I was getting an oil change at a gas station one time. And there on the counter was a sign that said, you could replace your battery for, and there was three, there was a good, better, best choice. And as I walked away and thought about that, I said, wow, that's really smart because here's what they didn't say. They didn't say you could buy this battery at this price. And then here's the hourly rate. Maybe we're going to put it in at this rate. But what they did say was, hey, if you pay me, let's say it was $99, you get a new battery installed. That's what I wanted was a battery installed. Does that make sense? Very much makes sense. And there's a couple of wrinkles I'd like to throw in okay. as you go through and uh, respond, which is the, the notion of paying by the hour. Yes, then there's you know, a fair bit of work done to that. And different companies have a different mix between, I say, time materials based pricing and firm fixed price based pricing where you are paying to say, you know, we will have that uh, software or ha- hardware um, up and running, and you know that's so that's an outcome. Okay, and yes, that 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 is an outcome. How, however, that's an outcome almost from the vendor's perspective. From the customer's perspective, you know they don't go and buy a piece of hardware or software just because they, they want to spend the money on on that. There's something they want to do with it, and so the notion there's also the notion of outcome, as in a customer can now do something they couldn't previously do. It goes beyond just saying uh, the product is working to saying we are now able to do something. And, and so I think there's a transition, you know, not just from 
I only paid to, you know, we've now got a piece of equipment working, you know, regardless of how long that takes. But going further beyond that, and there's a big, big move in the industry, I believe, to say, we now want to pay based on the business outcome. Okay, so there's a there's multiple stages of this uh, of this journey, and so you know where my, my focus goes, you know, as far as the business outcome orientation and the value associated with that. Yep, love that as well. Here's here's what I just heard. Uh, the first answers I was giving was really based on what I think of when I think of professional services. Um, we have to go out and do the support. Maybe we do the implementation up front. And what you just said to me was that our buyers think of it as hardware, software, services. Let's put it all together. What they really want is something done. There's a business outcome, a business result that we're after, and that we should be able to charge for that business result, or they want to pay for that business result. 100% in agreement with all of that. What that suddenly says is that we're not pricing professional services. We're pricing everything together. So yes. we're, we're bundling professional services and the hardware and the software everything it takes to create that solution. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's brilliant. I think that's what we want to do. Um, if you were to just step back and think about software companies, because software companies deal with this problem all the time, what are we going to charge for? Because they have to charge for something. And oftentimes it's the number of seats or the number of people using it. Uh, sometimes it's the amount of storage that you're using or the number of transactions you're doing or the number of gigabytes you're doing. And the best software companies in pricing, what they do is they step back and say, how is it that our customers get value? If they're getting value based on the number of transactions they're doing, then we should charge by the number of transactions. Because what that does is that aligns our results or our efforts with their results and what they're trying to get accomplished. Every once in a while, companies will say something like, I want to charge them based on the amount of incremental revenue I deliver. This is really hard to do. It's oftentimes a great strategy if you're trying to negotiate and you know you're delivering tons and tons of economic value to the customer. You could say, I tell you what, I'll just share half of this value with you. They'll almost never say yes to that because it's way too expensive for how much value you're delivering. But um, it's, even if they did say yes, it's almost impossible to monitor because now we're at the whim of what are they doing. So what we have to do is we have to try to find a metric that we can monitor that, that's highly correlated with value and that our systems are able to charge for. Did that make sense or not? Yes. Yes. It's, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the notion of you know, it's how do you measure, measure the value and who, who measures that? And as you say, you know, there's, a, there's one set of measurement that might be done by the, uh, the vendor. There's another measurement that might be done by the customer. And unless you can agree on that, uh, on a common, common measure, and uh, whether or not that's audible, I think that becomes part of the trust between customer and uh, and, uh, and and vendor, um, but you do need you know there's that big issue on how how do you measure it and how, how do you manage that and how do you price base based on that measure or based on that metric. That's absolutely right, and and it's going to end up being the whole system. I love the fact that you guys are bundling in, or at least thinking about bundling together professional services and hardware and software all into a single solution. Usually, software vendors do this. And the reason software vendors do it is because they don't have a hard cost, right? It's easy for hardware vendors to do cost plus pricing. 
And so they get stuck in that mindset. They can't let go. Software vendors, the cost of producing the next unit's almost zero. So they can't use cost plus pricing. They have to find another way. And so they're, they kind of lead the pack in this thinking, which is nice. We all get to think this way now. Right. Yes. And uh, it's interesting to see how you're... Um, you, you highlight your so- software because I, I think um, you know so many companies are going through that issue of moving from that they may be well, traditionally a hardware-based company, but now so much of that hardware functionality is becoming software-based. So they are becoming software companies, and suddenly the pricing model maybe needs to change. Oh, absolutely. In fact, if you think about it, I, I believe this for a long time. A, a colleague of mine twenty years ago told me this. He goes, we don't sell, although we sell hardware, that's actually not what we sell. We're really selling the software inside the hardware. That's what people care about. And if you think about how to price nowadays, they're, uh, whoa, Xerox 30 years ago had lease programs where they would charge by the number of pages or the number of copies you ran. So that's exactly what we're trying to get to is how do you measure the value that someone has? And then another great example of a hardware company pricing like a software company nowadays is Tesla. You could buy a Tesla and the Tesla that you buy, no matter what options you buy on it, looks exactly like every other Tesla they ship. And you can turn on options via software. It's really powerful and amazing. So, so as, even as hardware vendors, we have to start thinking like software vendors do. Yep. Okay. So how do we think about it? What, what do we do? What, what are the, what are the steps you know, as you go along that journey of uh, transitioning from, um, you know, in the professional services space, you know, maybe you need to go or maybe we need to have the discussion. It's beyond just professional services, but as, as you move from, um, hourly paid or, you know, unit based pricing where that unit is the, uh, uh, is the hardware uh-huh. or the hardware plus the hours to con- to configure it, um, you know, we move from that to more an outcome, outcome based, and uh, measuring the value that's delivered to the customer. Or at least, receive, I'll say, value received by the customer, um, because again, I guess this uh, it's back to that that metric issue. So, what what are, what do we need to think about? Yeah, I think there are th- there are three key factors that you want to trade off across each other, and and you're going to sit down and start brainstorming all of the different possible things you could measure and charge for. Just be wild about it; doesn't matter what it is. And then you need to to ask yourself these three questions. First off, is it correlated with the amount of value my customers get? And so the the more closely correlated it is, the better off you're going to be. The second thing you want to ask is, can we measure it? And so is this something that we can objectively monitor without relying on reports from our customer? And then the third measure or the third thing you're going to ask yourself is, is this something we have the systems inside our company to charge for? It's very possible that you find a great measure that's highly correlated that you can monitor, but our accounting systems don't let us charge for it for whatever reason. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. It's actually yes. more true in big companies than it is in small companies, but yes. Yes. Okay. All right. And, and, and so um, it's a brainstorming issue. You're going to sit down with a, a bunch of colleagues and start saying, okay, what are the possibilities? And then you can weigh them off against those three different um, attributes of those. Okay. What about the, ti- the timing of the value? 
you know, because, you know, yes, you know, a customer may well understand they receive value. We may know that it can be measured and we may know that our systems can handle it. However, if you have a, a big software system, for example, that is you know, going to take a year to implement and uh, become operational, then at what point do you charge? At what, you know, do you measure value as you go along? You know, because there, you know, certainly there is a huge move by the um, in the industry to say, you know, it's, it's, it's more than just subscription-based pricing, but but even to to say, you know, a customer no longer wants to pay an upfront, you know, vast upfront amount, and that's it. Even though the customer doesn't actually receive value, you know, for maybe a year. You know, in, instead, they're saying, you know, we might pay something, you know, different amounts as we go along. So you start moving towards a subscription-based model. And, uh, you know, how, how, how do we think about that? I'm not sure there's a straightforward answer or creative answer to that. I've, I've not thought through the creativity side of that. The non-creative answer would be, this is a negotiations. A year from now, we're going to deliver value. It's going to cost us a lot in this process, and we want to make sure that you're committed, that we're committed, and that there are no, you know, neither of us are going to back out and neither of us are not going to do what we said we were going to do. And so that's why we tend to do progress payments so that we know that we're both committed, not related to cost, because either of us could finance the project. That's not the issue. The real issue is the commitment side. And, and we want to make sure everybody's committed in the process. Uh, I think that's the best answer I could give right now. I would certainly not do the project and then say, pay us if it works, if you're putting in lots of professional services, because you're putting a ton of stuff at risk to do that. Yes, there's a huge amount of you know, work at risk, you know, which, you know, going back to, you know, that, that, to looking at from a, the vendor's perspective or supplier's perspective, that can raise huge, huge red flags. You know, and I suppose in, in a way, it's, it's a big shift that is happening is suddenly, um, you are moving risk from the customer back to the vendor because traditionally, you know, the customer has paid up front in the anticipation of receiving value later. And now we're saying, the, and so the risk is all on the customer. Now we are saying that uh, the customer doesn't pay until they get the value and therefore the, uh, so there's an additional investment required from the vendor which puts the risk back on the vendor side. So I guess you know somehow we have to get that uh, that balance of, of risk and reward between uh, between the two. Yeah. Well, first off, understand that if if the risk shifts back to the vendor, which it is in this situation, mm -hmm. you should be uh, recognizing or receiving higher profits for taking on that risk. If you're, if you're going through your pricing mechanisms and you're saying, hey, today we're doing cost plus, the customer takes all the risk, and, and we make a million dollars in profit per deal on average, and we're going to take that risk back on our own, we should be making more than a million dollars of profit per deal. And, and the customer should be willing to pay it because they know that we're taking on that risk. Yes. And the other thing that comes to mind, I recognize that if you move to value-based pricing, then you are now looking at the value, I say, over the lifetime of, I say, the solution or whatever it is you have sold to that customer. Right? Whereas if you are looking at cost-based pricing, then that that cost tends to be it's the cost to do that those set of activities upfront, right? And the fact that the customer may get 
one month of usage versus 10 years of usage isn't taken into account nearly as much. So it was, there's suddenly a whole new set of dynamics come into play. The real question that you're asking now is, am I charging on a recurring revenue basis or am I charging on a you know, somewhat prescription or, or a, a perpetual license type basis? Mm-hmm. And and absolutely, if we're charging by value, so we're measuring the number of Xerox pages you make, now we're getting that that money for a long period of time. It's never paid off. Yes, yes. Those, uh, you know, so long as there is value being delivered or value being received by the customer, then you know, is there a case for the customer paying uh, for for that value on an ongoing basis? Um, yeah, but it's just it's a dynamic in the industry. It's something we have to recognize. We, the vendors, I think, have to recognize and something that uh, many people are struggling with. Let me toss out one last suggestion or maybe more if you have other questions, but, but one more suggestion. When you go out to buy a car, you have a choice between whether you want to lease the car or buy the car outright or finance the car. Right? There are three different ways that you could buy this car. Turns out that we could do the exact same thing with our technology products. You could offer to your, to your potential buyers exactly what you do today. You know, if you want to pay my hourly rate plus this fee, we're going to come in and do the implementation. You guys take all the risk. This is what the cost is. Alternatively, we'd be thrilled to take the risk. We're going to do this up front. We're going to charge you by the value we deliver to you. Which way would you like to buy? And so you'll probably have some buyers go one way, some buyers go the other way, and we don't have to force the market either direction. Yes, there's that, there's that choice, yes. Um, but clearly it requires far more, uh, more than just in- interaction. I think it, it is imposing on the, um, the vendor a, a discipline to better understand what value the customer is receiving, when they are receiving it, and the fact that different customers may perceive the value in very different ways. There is no longer one model fits all. Whereas when it's cost plus, it's all under the control of the vendor. And that's, we're moving away from that. Yeah. And the, you know, the thing with the cost plus is, you know, your costs are going to get covered. You're going to get your margin, whatever that margin is that the CFO says you need, but you don't get the big upside. Yes. And the big upside comes from delivering value to customers. And that's what we should all be about. That's what's going to make us successful. The more the customer perceives us as delivering that value, the better things are going to be. Um, you know, because it's, uh, it, it's more than just have we got it priced right based on you know, what is our cost of delivery, cost of development and cost of delivery. But uh, you know, we might keep those costs down, but if we're not delivering value to the customer, then all is lost. Yeah. So in the end, you have to cover your costs. There's no doubt. Understanding your costs can help you say, hey, is this a piece of business I want to do or not? But it shouldn't be the thing that's driving the price we set. And in fact, it's interesting because I just I just had this thought. And that is when we do cost plus pricing, what we're doing is we're saying, here's the money. Here's the margin I want. Now, are we delivering enough value to you, Mr. Customer, that you're willing to pay us this? And when we do value-based pricing, what we're responsible for is going out to the customer and saying, how much value are we delivering? And then is it worth it to us to do that? And so the, quest, the, the big difference between cost plus and value-based pricing is that we have to make that decision or at least understand how much value are we delivering to the customer. 
Yes. It's becoming a lot more complicated. And I think I could um, sit and chat with you about so many different aspects here. Yeah. And uh, that would be great. Yeah. But this has been a great starting point uh, because you've made me think about some of the areas that we ought to consider. And uh, I believe it's not just we or I in my role uh, within Juniper, but these are things that I see happening um, you know, across all different companies within the, uh, certainly within the IT industry, and I'm sure in many other industries as well. Thanks very much. You've uh, you know, given me some extra things to think about, and uh, I think there's lots more to be considered and thought through uh, before we get to really get a strong handle on this. But it's a move that's it's a move that's happening, and so there's many companies I believe have to address this. Absolutely, Wilson. Thanks for bringing this up to us. We appreciate it. Thank you very much indeed, Mark. Big help. <laughs>